I'm Wendy Pirelli. And I'm Emily Hill. Welcome to Dude, Where's My Pipeline? Where we're asking the age old question, where's my pipeline, dude? On this show, we're talking about all things demand gen and tech marketing, from the latest trends to best practices and more. That's right. And on today's show, we're chatting with Kathy Maki, Executive Vice President of Consulting at Inverta, the B2B marketing services firm that was founded to help senior executives succeed with modern revenue generation and a longtime friend of mine. So I'm super excited that you're here. Thank you, Wendy. Feel the same. We are. We are so happy to have you. A longtime survivor of the technology industry, Kathy brings over 25 years of sales, marketing, and IT experience to our show today. Kathy's expertise has supported the transformation of how campaigns are developed at such companies as HP, Palo Alto Networks, and Thomson Reuters. Certified as an ABM practitioner in 2007, Kathy has conducted numerous ABM workshops, webinars, training sessions, and she supported ABM and other marketing transformation projects at hundreds of organizations. So with all your ABM expertise, Kathy, we're super excited to talk to you today. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. So Kathy, of course, we just gave, Emily just gave you a great stellar intro, but can you tell us a little more about yourself in your own words? Well, I have been called the godmother of ABM. I'm not sure it's a term I actually embrace. <laughs> I wasn't sure actually what to make of it the first time I was introduced that way, but you know, it is what it is. But I have been in around ABM long enough to see it move from the evolution of, you know, one-to-one multi-million dollar accounts to really targeted demand gen, you know, is what it is today. So I think I've seen it all. I've seen the entire evolution. Yeah, we're and we're excited to explore not maybe the whole evolution with you, but no. you know we'll, we'll make sure we get a good portion of it. So Kathy's the queen of account based marketing, as she said. I think queen is better than godmother. Thank you. I actually will take that term. That's yeah, let's do queen instead. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and today she's here to give us the rundown of the top things companies get wrong in doing ABM and how to course correct. I mean, I think we've all been there. You know, there's some basics, right? There's the basics of like, Hey, I got to pick some accounts. Like how do I pick the accounts? How do I work with sales? But there's probably some things that you see over and over again, where you're just like, ah, that is wrong. We'd love to hear your thoughts on account-based marketing in general. So according to HubSpot, account-based marketing is for anyone who doesn't know, is a focused growth strategy in which marketing and sales collaborate to create personalized buying experiences for a mutually identified set of high value accounts. Would you agree with that definition, Kathy? I would agree with it with probably one change and it's that whole personalized buying experience. Like ABM is supposed to be an outside in approach. It's like, how do you get your customers to succeed? It's not always just by having them buy something new from you. Like that's very inside out. So for instance, I've done ABM programs where the goal of it is to change perception of the, the company from perhaps a point solution to more of a strategic provider. Now that's a growth strategy, but it's not about buying. And I think that's where ABM has really changed over the years. Now it's always about, we just have this stuff we want to sell you, and this is maybe a better way to sell, as opposed to think it more from the customer point of view and what you can do to help them. But the rest of the definition, I agree with. I think the rest of it is good. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for, you know, adding to that because always, always best to, to have as much info as possible. Right. So sometimes it seems like ABM is being used, even overused as a catch-all term, you know, how does it work and and why should marketers embrace it? 
Uh, everyone has probably heard the story from me, so, but I will go through it again. ABM to me has just become this meaningless term. I mean, mm -hmm. if you had, Wendy, if we had 10 marketers and asked them all now, what is ABM? You'd get 10 different definitions. Right. And it was a real eye-opening experience for me. It was probably about five years ago, I was at an ABM conference and all the speakers kept getting up and saying, well, I actually, I took all my tactics and I just directly met a, my, my ideal customer profile. And everyone's up there. In fact, they had their phones, like they're taking pictures. I'm like, they're taking pictures because they had never thought about targeting their ideal customer profile or target account list. And then I had to step back and I realized, you know, if you've been in marketing the last 10 years, it's all been, you know, content marketing, which is good. But it's been like, you create great content, you put it out in the web, people find it, and less than 1% convert. And I think after a while, it was like, that takes a lot of leads coming. Like, that's not a sustainable model. I think it was a, well, what's a different model? And so I think, you know, Wendy, I don't know about you, but the first thing was drilled into us in Marketing 101 was know your accounts, like know your ideal customer profile. Like I'm old enough. It was like, we went to a library, big companies had librarians for that. Like you would spend a lot of time, but if you're in grew up in marketing last 10 years, that is a new concept. And I think for them, ABM is just being more thoughtful and deliberate about who they're targeting. So what's old is new again, but That's it's right. a good trend that way. It is, I think it is a good trend. I mean, you know, Wendy, what's your experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I think there's a lot of buzzword bingo out in the in the market today, right? I would give, I would throw some out there, but I'm not going to. But I think, yeah, ABM is just you know doing smart marketing, right? Like, yeah. it's it's knowing the right accounts, why they're the right accounts. Um, you know, what's the, what kind of a target audience are you going to go after? What's the intent, right? There's, it's just adding in all this intelligence around yeah. how are you going to spend your time and your money to, you know, either change perception, drive revenue, whatever the goal is. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the pros and cons of ABM in your mind, Kathy? What are some common problems that you might use to solve it as well? So this, there's like four reasons people really bring ABM in. And I think the problem I see is a lot of people don't have a reason. So, you know, the first one is, you know, this is untapped opportunity. Like your account teams aren't moving out of their comfort zones. They're not finding new business. And Wendy, I think this at a company we used to work at, all the sales reps knew everyone in IT. And then IT decisions were made out of business unit. And they were like, oh, like, I don't know anyone over there. So it's a good reason to say, okay, how can marketing help? How can we, you know, how can we get that untapped opportunity? I think you'll see a lot with, sales are slowing or declining a lot of it companies you can only grow double digit so far and then it flattens out and it's like what are you going to do then and i think abm is again a new approach to take to say how do you how do you find new markets how do you find new opportunities another one i see is wallet share could be declining or slowing a lot of times you know you may be the vendor of choice but there's always a competitor nipping at your heels and so how do you defend the base so again how do you Make sure you stay the number one vendor. How do you push off competitors? How do you really get your position there? And the last one was more around, sometimes it's just lighthouse accounts or you know this growth you have to have at some strategic account. And how do you really focus on them? Like I had one account, about 55 accounts brought in like 85% of their revenue. It's like those teams, <clears throat> they already have a technical account manager. They have a customer support. I mean, like they should have a marketer. Like why are we marketing to them? Like we don't know who they are. And the other thing I see is 
you need to have a hypothesis of why you're doing ABM. What's the opportunity? Why are you doing it? But those are the four I see come up or some variation of those four. Interesting. Just a comment on that. I think sometimes you go into ABM because some executive tells you, I think we need to do ABM, but it's not clear like, okay, but what's success look like? Right. What, why are we doing it? And once we do it and it's successful, like what happened? Right. Right. So like what we've started doing now with all our ABM, when people come to us, want to do ABM, I have them do a charter first. And they're always like, oh, we just want to get started. I'm like, Mm-mm. get sales, get marketing. Like first, what's the opportunity? What's your hypothesis? Like, is your dimension not working? If your dimension is working, what, like why? Like, right. or do you see something tapering off maybe? What are your program goals? What accounts will be in? Not every account is a candidate for ABM. So, you know, be thoughtful, deliberate about that. How, and, and when to your point, and I see this all the time with tech things also, what does success look like a year from now? Like, you may have an idea, your execs may have an idea, sales may have a different, like, get on the same page about that. And what are the critical success factors that need to happen for it? Like, I need to get the field involved. I need to have certain content. Like, getting that all on one page and having everyone, I have one client that makes the account reps docu-sign it. You know, like, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's like, we go down it six months later, it's like somewhere else. So she's like, no, DocuSign. She's ended out, which I think is a bit extreme, but it's like, you have to have, there has to be a reason you're doing this and being clear about it and what would success look like is make a huge difference down the road. Because otherwise six months from now, I've seen, you know, they'll come up with all new accounts suddenly. It's like, mm-hmm. or hey, we sold the pet food store suddenly. I think that's our new target market. And you're like, well, no. Oh my gosh. There's so many things that happen, but I'm sure you'll ask like, what are, the, what are all the other things I've seen? So I'll, yeah. I'll let you continue with questions. Well, I, have a question. I just have a question based on what you just said. You know, you, you mentioned, why are you doing ABM? Like how, how does someone decide whether that's the right approach to take? Because also you said, if, you know, if you're doing great in your demand gen, then should you need to be doing ABM? So can you also explain a little bit about you know, what the difference is. So I think everyone needs to step back and say, where do I expect to get my revenue? And that's the part I see a lot of companies miss. Like they'll say, we want to do 50 million this year. Well, yeah, well, I, I want to do hundred million. Like, like so yeah, like what I have, I take people through now is a continuum. Like X amount is probably always going to come from inbound. What percent do you expect to come from inbound? The next over is maybe your targeted demand gen. Like here's my 3,500 accounts or 5,000 accounts. This is my ICP I'm going to target. And I'm going to do X amount because I think X amount of revenue is going to come from that. And you may not have a price point. Then you may have like a ABM one-to-many, one-to-few, one-to-one, but you may not have a price point to support one-to-one. Like I have one account. They have like $1,700 million accounts. There's a one-to-one. Like those are, that's an executive engagement. You're mm-hmm. knowing the CIO, the CEO, something like that. But if you have a solution that costs $2,000, like that doesn't make any sense. So I think really being thoughtful and deliberate with sales about where do you expect to get your revenue and product marketing, you know, and even the C-suite, like is everyone on the same page about where we expect to get? Is it certain industries? Is it certain size companies? I guarantee you that most of them, just, they just give you a number. We need to grow 20% this year. It's like, how? What solutions? What markets? What I mean, Wendy, I mean, you, you've worked at a few companies. <laughs> what yeah. is your experience? 
Yeah. You know, I was, I was just going to comment that one of the companies I worked at, one of our challenges was, you know, kind of going back to, you know, setting the goals was also the accountability, right? So to your point, making sure that your sales leader is hand in hand with you, because absolutely. As soon as like the example that I had was we had gotten like, I don't remember what it was like the Red Sox or some baseball game, baseball team. Right. And they were like, Oh, we should go after all of the baseball. I'm like, what go after all the baseball leagues across the nation. Like, no, I think there's, you know, other types of companies that we want to focus on just because one bought it. And so it is really easy for, you know, for you to get shiny object syndrome of like, Hey, let's go chase that. Cause that looks like it's going to work. You got to stay kind of re-anchored on like, okay, what does success look, look like? And, and really, what are we going to get out of this ABM or this one-to-one motion versus, you know, the one to few, or one to many, right. Yeah. Or the, or the just higher I, I think of that as just really good demand gen, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, but I love your point about the 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 price point, right? Because you're right. I mean, if you have a two thousand dollar product, you know that's that's probably a, a transactional thing, right? You're probably looking for high volume, low cost, as opposed to high touch, you know, high cost. Right. And I hear the term used a lot. I have a lot of clients. Say, oh, I'm doing one to one, and what they're doing is sending out some gifts, or like they're doing opportunity to support. And that's where I think the ABM term is just, it, it's meaningless. Like I can't tell me, oh, I do one-to-one. It's like, I send a gift and I follow <laughs> up and I do some ads. It's like, yeah. Oh. And so I think just being really clear. Now, one thing I bring up, it works in the US. It doesn't work outside the US. Like when you just talked about the target accomplice, you know, like, oh, we just sold the Red Sox. Let's do sports teams or I look at, I tell when we put the target account list together, we all agree, here's who we're going after, here's why, here's why they're in the program, because we think the opportunity is. I say, this is like your healthcare plan. This is not going to change for a year. Doesn't matter what you don't like. There's got to be a good reason, like there's been a reorg or they just bought from a competitor. But like whatever your sell cycle is, that's when you should relook at your list and say, does this still make sense? But it's like, it's not every two months. Let's change the list, change the list. One of the things you want to, ABM takes time. If you're not going to give it the time, then just do your targeted dimension. It's good. Yeah. It's probably working. Yeah. So you so change your healthcare plan in March because <laughs> you got tonsillitis, you know? So, so before we go on to the next question or, or the next po- points that I was going to make, you know, you'd mentioned, you know, some people do, you know, they think of one-to-one ABM as essentially kind of customer marketing or maybe prospect prospect marketing clouded as customer marketing, where it's like, yes. I'm just going to send a bunch of gifts and so hopefully somebody will like them. What is a good example of one-to-one ABM that you've seen that's been effective? A lot of it starts with research. Like that's the number one thing I'd say, like your whole goal on that is what I call these, what I'll call a high value offer. So you're learning so much about that account that you can you can have innovative conversations with those stakeholders. Like you're bringing some, you know so much about that account, you're bringing something new to the table and it lets you have richer and more strategic conversations and build relationships. Like I'm sure at some point we're gonna talk about metrics, but I look at three things, reputation, relationships, and revenue. And any rep will tell you, if they don't like our company, our product, and I don't know anyone, I'm not gonna get any revenue. I mean, like, and it's the same thing, like, on those accounts, it's really about, do they know your full suite of offerings? Do they see you as a thought leader? Like, would you be on, in the old days, would you be on speed dial if I had an IT problem? Would I call you just to sort of get a direction about what I want to do? 
So it's more about those strategic relationships. And do they trust you? Do they see you as you bring some to the table? And I will tell you, actually, because this was your original question, so sorry. Let me come back around. One of the best ones I saw, there was a firm, they were trying to get into the pharmaceutical industry. And it wasn't, a, it was more like a one to few, and it was for prospects, but it was great what they did. They came out with something, paper, they did a paper on for the pharmaceuticals. They wanted to target pharmaceuticals. It was called Fire Your Sales Force. And it was just like, well, and everyone's seen all these ads, you know, you get them on TV, they go to doctors, they take them to lunch, and they did a webcast, or they did just a huge marketing campaign around it. And they got a ton of people saying, come in and talk to me about that. Now, no one was ready to fire their sales force, but they were saying, in five years, we see pharmaceutical sales change in the U.S. We see that it's going to end up being like you buy insurance. You're going to go to your insurance agent, and they might get you Geico for your car, but State Farm for your house, or, you know, like, oh, you want mental illness drugs. That'll be Eli Lilly. Oh, you want heart stuff. And they drove so much business with that because they knew the issues overall pharmaceuticals were having. And they came out with something like, I want to hear more about that. That's what you want. Like, yeah. come in and tell me more. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great example, actually. And, you know, I mean, it makes you kind of change your your thinking in that, you know, account, account based marketing isn't it isn't a gimmick. Right. It isn't. Right. Uh, let, me, let me send you a, a tchotchke or let me, you know, send you 15 mailers about our upcoming user conference or whatever. It's really, truly about adding intelligence to their business so that they wake up and are like, hey, these people actually know my business pretty well. Like I need to have a conversation right. with them, which, you know, it almost sounds like it, it requires, you know, growth marketing and sales to work maybe really closely like with, you know, some sort of like product marketing or competitive intelligence or analyst group inside the company to build content that's really rich and targeted as opposed to, again, you know, I've got this white paper, it should apply. I'll change the words. So now it's for pharmaceutical. Okay. Send it out. It's, it's much more strategic than that. That's yeah. Great. I mean, you want people, I call it like before awareness, like that epiphany moment, like, Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Come talk mm -hmm. to me. I mean, that that's to me, an ideal ABM program. When someone says that's interesting, I hadn't thought of that point of view. The most valuable thing is not a gift. Anyone you're sending a gift to can afford that gift. You know, like, let's be real. See, I, yeah. oh, God, I never thought about buying wine or, you know, getting a meal. <laughs> I mean, they're not, I mean, there's reasons to do that. I don't want to discount. There's reasons to do that. But information for them, like having come in and talk to me about, I need to start really planning for, like, where is sales going to be in five years in pharmaceuticals? Or what are you bringing to the table? It's that innovative thinking. And that's what I call a high value offer. Like, yeah. can you go in and do an innovative session with them or an envision session or get them with their peers to discuss a topic of interest? Like that to me is a high value offer. And it's all around information. Yeah. 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 That's it's great. Thinking about this differently. It's not the silver bullet of an ad or a gift. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And just to, just to play off your, you know, getting peers talking with each other, obviously, because we're peer spot, you know, we we're all about like peers helping each other make decisions and, you know, make smart decisions based on each other's experiences. So that totally makes sense that even at the executive level, you know, they'd want to 
I want to talk to other CISOs about or other heads of sales. Like, you know, what are you guys seeing? How are you seeing this change? So that makes a ton of sense. So according to Rollworks, 87% of marketers say that ABM outperforms other marketing activities. And Forrester reports that 62% of marketers say that they can measure a positive impact since adopting ABM. So this kind of goes into the metrics conversation. So how do you measure the success of an ABM program and what's a successful ROI look like? Well, I'll do summary people. I'll tell you, the, if you have reps, your account sales leaders get up and say, I couldn't have done this without the ABM program. Like, yeah, you can have metrics, but you know, that's right. the ideal thing. And we at one account we worked with at the big conference, the sales leader come up and said, I couldn't get half, like we wouldn't be where we are in our number if we weren't for the ABM program. Yeah. But the other thing is, like I said, it does take time. I like to look at, like I said, the three R's reputation, relationships, and revenue, and have short, mid, and long-term metrics, because it does sometimes take time. So it's the first thing, and it can be simple things, like if no one on your target account list has ever been to your website, they probably don't know who you are. So that could be ads. Okay, like that's the first step of like reputation. And it could be like, will they participate with you in things? Are they coming to your webinar? People do not go to your webinars or download your paper unless they think you're some credible source. You know, so you can sort of work your way through that. And reputation at the end, like a long term would be, they're an advocate for us. Like you can come up with short, mid and long term metrics, all three of those. And at the end of the day, it does need to be around revenue, but it could be about higher win rates, longer customer value. Do they own more products? You know, the more products they own, the stickier they're going to be. So there's there's not just revenue per se, like pipeline dollars. There's a lot of other revenue metrics that I think people just forget about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are almost kind of like a leading indicators of future revenue, right? It's the headlights to where are you actually going to end up end up there. Is it easy to look at those metrics like in a like Salesforce or something like that? Do you have no, unfortunately, no. <laughs> So that's one of the challenges I think people have is, you know, our systems aren't set up for it. The poor ops people, as you know, all the marketing automation systems are leads, leads, leads. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. And Salesforce is accounts and trying to get a holistic view. That's one of the challenges people do ABM and don't have their ops team or systems or processes to give you account views. Because that is, and you also, like another challenge is your CFO may not be angry. They're like, MQL is how I'm grading you. And if you're saying, right. oh, but I've got all this account stuff, there's just some disconnects I think have to get worked out first with your sales ops team, your rev ops team, your marketing ops team, and even your CFO. Of course, this is the dude, where's my pipeline podcast. So we got we to gotta yeah, talk about recovery. how does doing ABM fuel pipeline growth and generate new business? Well, I think it is just putting more time up front with coordinating with sales on who you're going to like just the coordinated effort number one you know you're going to see a lift there as opposed to marketing's marketing these people and sales is focused over here and not paying attention to what marketing's doing so i'll go through like to me the sales part is huge so the insights is huge the sales part is huge and making sure you have a different message in your standard message like those are the three things you have insights that can drive like a good account list do you have a different message or at least a tailored message to that and is sales on board. But I think there's different levels of sales collaboration alignment. So to me, alignment is when it's like, here's an MQL and you have to call them within 48 hours or you know you get dinged on our reports. And that's still like, you're just throwing things over the fence. Now it's more coordinated, which is great. And that took us a long way. But I think the first is like a philosophical, like does 
sales really believe in ABM? Or is it just like, hey, knock yourselves off. And if you find something, let me know, you know? Like, <laughs> do they really believe in ABM, this account-based approach? And are they willing to work differently with marketing than they have in the past? So that's sort of philosophical. Next to operational, are they agreeing to a target account list they're going to stick with? And that they agree to plan and meet with you about this ABM program. That's not, again, like, you go do it and, you know, next quarter, let me know what came out. Like, there's collaboration each month. Hey, we ran these ads. We're seeing this come in. Like, what are you saying? It's just back and forth. And third is, do you have shared metrics and shared goals? Like, what are those business outcomes? If you get all three, your ABM program is going to do fine. But when you're missing some of them, that's where they start to go a little wonky. You know, mm -hmm. it's the, yeah. if we build it, they will come. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've and seen it, the movie, but it doesn't it, happen. Yeah, to your point, it, it requires that diligence, right? And that planning of like, we're going to meet on this, you know, every other week and we're going to get updates on like where we are with these things. It's easy to have it fall to the wayside. Absolutely. I've seen that happen too. And marketing needs to come to the table also. Like, here's yeah. what we're doing. What have you seen more? We're going to do this. Do you have opportunities that maybe need some additional help? Like it really is a collaborative effort and not like the, you know. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. So now the million dollar question. Are you ready? So now that you've set the stage, you've told us what ABM is, we've talked about the metrics. What are the top things that companies do wrong when they do ABM and what should they do to correct it? Okay. So some should, would probably be a repeat, a hypothesis of why you're doing this. You're like you need to get everyone on board, not having sales involved. I see that a lot. Like the whole, we'll build it. Once they see this, they're going to love it, you know. Well, you're doing targeted demand gen, which is probably better, and you start to build confidence, but it's, but it's not really ABM yet. Doing the same old things to just, like, I'm not, I'm just getting a target account this now. Like, right. nothing else has changed, but now I'm just going to do it to these folks. I think thinking that whole silver bullet, like, if I just had ads or if I just had a better gift, you know, like, sort of changing that mindset. But I'd say the last one is give it time. I've seen too many people like, well, we did that for uh, like two months and you know, nothing happened. Yeah. 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 No, I, again, I've seen all of those things yeah. play out. So yes, it, it, all of those things make sense. Okay. So while we have you here, we also wanted to ask you about MQLs. So yeah. we went to the Forrester B2B Summit, which we saw you at, right? Yes. Earlier this year. Hopefully you didn't take home COVID like we did. And, and one of the main themes of the event was that the MQL is dead. They said marketing should just set up target account lists in Salesforce as opportunities straight out of the gate and that we shouldn't be marketing them as leads, but instead should be measuring engagement as opportunities. So, you know, again, it kind of turns the whole experience of what you expect out of how marketing works and their funnel and how Salesforce is set up to be like, okay, now marketing is just going to focus, you know, on engagement for specific accounts and measure it based on engagements and stop measuring MQLs. What are your thoughts on that? Is the MQL dead or is it just renamed? <laughs> well, one, I would not set up everything as an opportunity. I mean, you've just messed up your last five years of reporting. I mean, right. Like, and why would you do that? They're not an opportunity. They're on a target account list. And I agree measuring engagement is the right thing to do. But a lot of reps, it's like, you can send, and I've seen this, uh, oh, intent data, which I think we're at the beginning of intent data. I could have a whole other podcast on that. 
But you, you know, you, this rep logs in, he's 26 years old, and it's like, huh, someone at Amazon searched for these five different terms. What are they supposed to do with that? There's right. No call Jeff Bezos? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's just like, no, you have to still have people at the end of the day. And I think this part of the business, it's, there's nothing wrong with still having MQLs, but also having marketing qualified accounts alongside it. Like, why would you stop an MQL? Someone said, contact me. No, we're not going to do that because not enough engagement at the account yet. I mean, everyone's agreed that if someone shares yeah. this amount of activity, you're going to give them a call. Now, yeah. I could go into, do you want someone straight out of college making those important calls? Like, that would be a whole other conversation about how that's set up. Mm-hmm. But I think having a target account list and really the... ABM platforms now have essentially a funnel for accounts and you set up those stages. Like here's my target account list. Here's where they've done some intent. We see some activities. Here's where they've been on a website and done X amount of engagement. And now they're a marketing qualified account. I mean, so you can measure engagement, but I would not make everything an opportunity. The operations <laughs> IT person in me just cringes <laughs> at that. I mean, just like, what? Yeah. I mean, that would mess up all your reporting. Yeah. So well, how really do you funny. know when there is an opportunity? Like a real one. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's funny because one. after Forrester had said that, I walked out to the Salesforce booth and I said, hey, so Forrester is telling everybody to, you know, change everything to an opportunity right out of the gate. And they were like, I don't, I wouldn't recommend that. Like no. that's just <laughs> no one would. Then I'm like, I don't know what, get rid of opportunity stages. It's most like yeah. yeah, but engagement, I'll agree with them. You really want to look at how many people are engaging, the levels, what are they doing? I mean, because that gives reps something to talk about. You came to this webinar, I noticed you were interested in these topics, here's what you can follow up with. And and so just to go back, for, you said something about, you know, there are ways to measure kind of the account had intent and these are the people who engage. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some ways to do that? What's What are some like real tactical, practical ways to, to do that? Well, unless you build something custom, it's used, it's getting one of the ABM platforms. Got it. Okay. Getting like a demand base or a sixth sense. And both of those platforms do a great job. They handle it different, but you know where every account is based mm-hmm. on if they, and you set up like on demand base, you set up the time limits. If they haven't been on a website in 60 days, they back up a stage. Right. Uh, sixth sense is a little bit different, more data-driven modeling, but they also have stages. And that yeah. way, everyone can look at that and say, this account is in this stage. And then you can all agree with what's going to happen from marketing and from sales at this stage. You know, mm-hmm. just doing engagement. Engagement could be, oh, they download a white paper to, they been to our events. You want to have, how deep is that engagement? And across yeah. how many people? I mean, if one person at SAP came to Peer Spot, that might be nice. But if 40 people did, I mean, right. hopefully you would react differently. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of for those people who remember back in the day when Marketo had interesting moments, which yes, I think turned into engagement right, yeah. later of, you know, which now is demand-based, right? Like yes. where, where are those interesting moments where lots of activities happening? I've been a hands-on user of a couple of these platforms. And my frustration has always been to your point, it stops at the account level. Like you said, like, okay, Amazon was on here. Do I call Jeff Bezos or like, who, what, who am I calling? Do you feel like, have you seen that gap being addressed? Like, how are people going from the, this account is highly engaged, but like who at the account do I contact? Like, well, how do you bridge that gap? 
So one of our mutual colleagues, I think, has done a nice job. She gives her BDRs three options. Option one, when they get all this intent, they're like, I don't know what to do. Right. And then she'll say, okay, I'm going to do content syndication. I'm going to get us X amount of context. Or the second one is, I feel comfortable, but I could use a little help. And she looks at anyone they have in that account. She's going to like surround them with some ads, some LinkedIn, invite them to a webinar. And the third one is, no, I got this. I see some people in Salesforce, like I've got it. BDRs don't have to be like, I've seen them like, I've done that. Like we have these tools and like, well, I was searching for B2B marketing. Like what, seriously, I'm the head of services. Lord, I call up someone at Unilever. Hey, notice you're interested in B2B marketing. Want to know why? Like, you know, like, you need to have a reason to have a conversation. And this is where those insights come in. Like, if you're really doing your homework, I might really know what Unilever is interested in. I might have been following things. So I could follow up with some people I know there with some interesting piece of content or invite them to a webinar we're talking about. But without that, it's just a yeah. bunch of work. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I will tell you, another a couple of companies I've worked have done a nice job where we've taken the intent, and this is more intent now. So if you want to like yeah, no, that's stop right. the podcast and go on. Uh, <laughs> we um, obviously need to have you come back and talk about yeah, intent. You know, if people are going to listen to me, like why not? It doesn't happen anywhere else in your life. So, you know, but they'll do the keywords and in, in use cases. So like if you see these keywords, this is this solution and here's content to go with it so you've got to arm them with like what do you do when you see these type of keywords and if you can tie to use cases that you that your product or solution ties into then people know what to do but to just give people a bunch of words like I looked at our the other day I'm like like, oh well what would you do with that yeah but if I grouped up the words into ABM versus campaign planning you know like what we do you know, right. tech evaluations, then I could follow up with something like with content that has to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's one of the, the, the last uncharted territories is combining the right content to the right account, to the right contact in the account. To your point, there's some systems out there that'll let you connect. Like they engaged with stuff about campaign planning at Home Depot or whatever, right. but who at Home Depot engaged with it? Like, who should I respond back to? And there's that kind of trifecta of how do you get all those pieces together? And, uh, you know, I think the ABM platforms have, they've got some of it. I don't know if the, anybody's got all of it yet. Um, They're all trying to get to that point. A lot of it has to do with privacy also. Exactly. So there's some privacy issues around there. There was a solution a number of years ago and I loved it and they were building it. And then it was before it's time. Yeah. But what they did is they looked at all your past opportunities and they looked at the emails and calendars because, you know, reps are never going to put anything in sales. And I wouldn't either if I was a rep. I'm not. But they would look and say, for this opportunity, how many meetings did you have to have with these many people? How many people were engaged? And they did it from looking at their calendar invites, who was on it. So then when an opportunity would come in and you say, yeah, I think this is about to close, the manager could say, I see you engaging with three people and we know there's five to really get an opportunity to close. And you haven't, and then you marketing at something like, hey, we don't know the head of demand gen, go find that name. Mm-hmm. But it was in the infancy, it had such promise and, you know, they ran out of funding, it was sold and, the, you know, yeah. it went to some big company to die, you know. Oh, I, that's I know, I was like, oh, if I had a zillion dollars, I would have bought them, you know, and 40 more years of my life to build it out. But, you know, <laughs> but I think you'll, you'll start to get there with stuff. I mean, I think it's just, 
what I think, like to me, intent is being of it in these ABM platforms. And soon what you'll have is just buyer and account intelligence. And how do you pull that together to get a, a real good view of yeah. what, what the company's interested in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just want to, before we end, I just want to make a quick comment about Kathy and I worked together multiple decades ago. And to your point, you got to sometimes wait for technology to catch up. I mean, I remember the first time we worked together and there was no marketing automation and and we would build email workflows on spreadsheets and, and manually pull the list and be like, okay, if they responded, then they go over here to this other workflow. So yeah, we, we've lived long enough for there to be systems for it. So to your point, by the time we kind of come out the other side, I want to uh, go to work every day, I'm sure there will be systems that will triangulate all those people and, and have intelligence and probably even automate what to send, right? Like, wouldn't that be great? And there um, are tools right now starting to look at, I've seen a lot of the AI stuff now looking at content. One of the content hubs we work with, when you upload your content, it gives you the keywords. It says, how long will this take? It, it, like, it's getting there. It's just that it's yeah. infancy now. Yeah, 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 it's it's going to take some time. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. You've given us awesome information. I could talk to you for like 12 hours on this stuff. So we'll we'll give everybody back 11 hours and 30 minutes of their, of their time of my 12 hours, but I really appreciate it. Emily? Yeah, thank you so much. It was really, really interesting learning from you today. And I know it was super helpful for me, for us, and and will for sure be valuable to our audience as well. Great. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And now if you have any questions or other ideas to add to the discussion, feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn or join our community on Facebook, Tech Demand Gen Spot. We'll put all of that info in our show notes too. So it's easy to find. And until next time, thank you for tuning in to keep getting this sweet show in your podcast feed. Every time a new episode drops, Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget, tell a friend, dude. Special thanks to PeerSpot for sponsoring our show. PeerSpot is the buying intelligence platform where tech pros learn about enterprise products before buying. On top of that, PeerSpot helps demand gen marketers fill their pipeline with high quality bottom of the funnel leads and create voice of customer content for all stages of the buyer's journey. So for more information about demand gen and how to fuel your pipeline, check out marketing.peerspot.com.